Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and welcome to our broadcast. I'm beginning a two-day series on the subject of problems have a purpose. Satan's purpose in problems is to destroy you. God's purpose in problems is to bring you out stronger on the other side than when you went in. I'm sure you want to have number two. We're going to find out today God isn't the author of problems. Satan is, but God is the author of answers. Let's go to the Word of God. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Welcome again to Student of the Word. Glad to have you here today. I don't believe any of you have the opinion that what we're going through today is just normal. Folks, we're seeing things happen around the world today, the pressure of the world. We're heading toward end times, and Christians are beginning to wonder, do we have to go through all this trouble? The answer is, to a certain degree, yes. We will be raptured out, but we're going to see problems and tribulations and things in our own life increase day by day, even though we live in a great country. I'm here to tell you that the end result of what's going to happen after the rapture of the church is the entire world's going to go into basically slavery. And the one nation that God is going to deliver out of it all will be the nation of Israel. But in the meantime, the word of God hasn't lost its power. God saw this time coming and prepared us for this day. And so I'm going to talk about today and possibly into tomorrow that problems have a purpose. Now, I know that you're probably saying, well, you're going to teach one of those things where God sends problems on us. No, problems are here already. God didn't send the problems into this earth. It was the choice of Adam and the input of those problems into the world from Satan. But God knew they were coming. Here's the whole point. God is omniscient. The most important thing I believe about God is not omnipotence. We often think, boy, God has power. Yes, he does, but that's not his greatest strength. His greatest strength is foreknowledge. He understands what's coming down the pike. He knows and he's already prepared for those. It's one thing to enter into a problem in your own personal life unprepared, such as what if you get to the end of your life and you got maybe, you know, 15, 20 years left to go before you know you have the possibility of dying, but you've never prepared for it. You don't have any insurance. You don't have any savings accounts. You don't have any money. All right. That's something that you knew was coming, but you didn't plan for it. You didn't make provision for it. God is quite the opposite. God knows everything that's coming and already has an answer prepared for every problem. And God knows how to turn it around. But the point of it is, is God did not create the problem. He warned Adam not to sin and Eve not to sin, saying, in the day that you eat of it, you're going to surely die. And they did. They died spiritually, which set motion inside of them that later on they died physically. But they also ushered in a curse into this earth. And the curse did not come from God. It came from, from Adam's rebellion. And it came from Satan who created the problem. So we come back to this. With all that, what are we supposed to do? Understand that God saw it coming. And with every problem, God has made an answer. His answer is always bigger than the problem. I mean, the way the whole world's heading, do you think God's in heaven wringing his hands and looking at the Holy Spirit and saying, I didn't know this was coming. He didn't look at Jesus and say, did you know this was coming and didn't warn me? No, God knew ahead of time it was going to come because God is omniscient. Because he is, he is that powerful to literally create answers before the problems come to pass. And it's the same way in your personal life. It's the same way uh, in this nation. And it's the same way around the world. God has a plan. And if you read the end of the book of Revelation, you find out there is a glorious future for all of mankind that's received Jesus as Savior and a resurrection bodies for us, ruling and reigning from the new Jerusalem here on earth. I mean, we could go into the list and lists of things that God has planned. And so, but the daily problems that 
come into our life, God does not make those problems, okay? They came from the fall of Adam, they came through Satan, and they were introduced by the curse. But God knew they were coming and he knows you individually. And God has planned through this, he has a purpose for it in the end. Let's put it this way, the title of this broadcast is Problems Have a Purpose. Satan's purpose with problems is to destroy you. Satan is the one who wants to destroy you. And so he sends terrible problems into your life as well as just the annoyances of the everyday life. But on the other hand, God has a purpose in them. He's gonna use them. And when they come your way, he's gonna teach you how to overcome them. In fact, my offer that I have on the broadcast is literally out, outlasting trials. Outlasting trials simply means that God wants you to know in your own personal life that he has sent you here and you're greater than your problems. We get so caught up in the problems and so the announcer will come on at halftime tell you how you can have a copy of that for yourself. So the good thing is, is God's given us plenty of promises. And so Satan's uh, purpose in problems is to destroy you. God's purpose in problems is that you'll use the problem and become stronger than it. Let's just suppose that somebody's going to run, you know, they're going to go out there and run and they're going to ju jump over those hurdles. And they jump and they come and they've been practicing and practicing and practicing. And they knew those hurdles were out there. If you don't practice and you don't prepare for them, you're not going to make it over them. But the hurdles are just high enough to where you have to be good enough just to clear it. You've probably seen them on television do it. And I mean that the toes on their feet just miss it by this much as they jump over the top of the hurdle. But the point of it is they know they're greater than the hurdle. They've seen other people go through it. We've seen other Christians go through problems. And we know that whatever hurdle, whatever problem Satan has in this earth, that uh, we can overcome it. So first of all, again, do problems have a purpose with Satan? Yes, his intention is to destroy us, to get us to give up our walk with Jesus and to throw in the towel. And how many Christians have done that and not understanding that this problem was not bigger than them? They are greater than the problem. And so, but the other side of it, does God have a purpose in problems? Yes, he uses them to help make you stronger. And problems themselves don't make you stronger. It's the faith and the word of God in the problem that makes you stronger. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I've got a couple of praise reports have been sent in to me. First of all, uh, this one is from Esther. And she said, I've been so blessed by your explanation of predestination. Thank you so much for your study of God's word, Pastor Bob. That's one of my favorite teachings too, is on predestination. Then we have here one from Sandy. And she says, well, I love you, brother. She says, the blessings that God reveals to you and how you treat others and how you speak to them has been a blessing to me. Well, thank you again for saying that, uh, Sandy. Uh, what a blessing it is to hear from you. Listen, if you have praise reports or just prayer requests, or you want to just say something about the broadcast, you can do that on YouTube. Uh, and I know that you'll be blessed. Or else go to my website, bobyandian.com. So let's take a look at James chapter one. James opens up his epistle teaching on the subject of problems. And he talks about our attitude in suffering. He starts out his book in James chapter one, after his introduction, introducing himself, in verse one, verses two through four gets into what our attitude should be in the midst of suffering. James chapter one, verses two through four says, my brethren, this is James speaking to us, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith produces patience, but let patience have her perfect. This is complete. Let patience have her complete work that you may be mature and complete, wanting nothing. I want to point out three words in this because James is dealing with a congregation 
in the city of Jerusalem. They were facing many problems at that time. Jerusalem was headed downhill. The Roman legions were already talking about coming in and invading it. Everybody knew it, it was coming. And James is pastoring a church of scared people hearing what's going on out there and telling them you need to get your eyes back on the word of God. And listen, we're hearing the, basically the same thing. They we're hearing rumblings all around this earth of what's gonna happen in the, in the days to come, the months to come and the years to come as we are headed toward one centralized world government. And they're already talking about the things that are gonna happen in it. And basically they're simply telling us we have no choice in this. Well, I know I've read the Bible, what kind of problems this is going to bring in, but I also read in the Bible that those who will go through the time of the tribulation by turning to the Lord can be spared in that time and come out of the time of the tribulation and go right on into the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. But James is dealing with a time period similar to what we're living in today when Jerusalem is about to be destroyed by the Roman armies and the Christians are afraid. Many of them are being killed, martyred. All these things were happening. We hear about it today around the world. And so there could be problems just like that facing us. But I want to do what James is doing. Let's get our attention back onto the word of God. And James here says in this verse of scripture, there's three words I will pull out to you. First of all, he says, count it all joy. Next of all, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. And next of all, he says, let patience have her perfect or complete work. Here's the three words I want you to know. First of all, count. Next of all, knowing, and next of all, let. I want you to notice that you make or break your own victory. Before joy is a feeling, it is a choice. Count and knowing and let are all choices. You have a choice to make when a problem faces you. I'm either going to fall apart. I'm going to get angry at this thing. I'm going to give up on God. I'm not going to go to church anymore because why didn't God just automatically take me out of this thing? So count it all joy simply means I'm about to go through a difficult time. I'm going to rejoice in God because I can see the other side of this thing. The problem I'm going into is like that hurdle. It's not bigger than me. I'm bigger than it, so I can get over that hurdle and I'm gonna come out on the other side of it. So count by looking ahead and seeing what God has promised you in the word. The next one says, knowing the trying of your faith produces patience. Here's something else. You can know that when you come out of this, you're gonna be stronger than when you went into it. Running those hurdles and jumping those hurdles again produces strength in the runner and he keeps doing it and doing it and his strength continues to increase. Know this, that when you in the Christian life stand on God's word and God's promises, you are going to come out stronger on the other side. And then finally, the last one says is let patience have her perfect work. The word here again, let simply is a choice. Count knowing and let are all choices and you make or break your own victory. To look at God and say, why didn't you bring me through? He says, I've given you every provision to come through it. I've given you every promise to come through it. And again, before joy is a feeling, it is a choice to act on what you know. You can learn through good times and bad times. God has made it available to us that his goodness comes through to us. And in the best of times, what do we learn from that? That God provides for us. I didn't work for this. I didn't earn this. This is the grace of God that is now bringing finances into my life, bringing healing into my life, bringing my family back together. There's myriads of things that God can do. And in the best of times, we should be praising God and learning, but we also learn in the bad times. 
Bad times teach us things. We understand more the character of Satan, the world, the flesh, all those enemies of God. We begin to understand how that they are in this earth and God left me in this earth. I'm going to face problems in this earth, but the God that has produced good times for me before will produce good times again. I'm in the midst of a bad situation, but bless God, I'm coming out on the other side. Suffering can develop character and character is the fruit of the spirit. One of the greatest ways that the nine fruit of the spirit are demonstrated in your life is when you go through sufferings and trials, put your faith and trust in God. And one of the first ones that comes out is patience is produced during that time. And patience is a fruit of the spirit. The love walk and the faith walk are perfected in tribulation and perfected in suffering. Listen, as long as things are fine, you can become somewhat perfected. But when things go wrong and you have to take the things you learned in the good times and now apply it toward the bad times, that's when you begin to understand God's greater than anything. He's greater than the good times I go through, but he's also greater than the bad times I go through. And Satan, I want you to understand, I'm going to come through this. Suffering is inevitable. Why? Because it's part of life. It comes from three sources. First of all, the world system, that's called the world in the, in the word of God. Next of all, from your own flesh and next of all from Satan. But I do want you to notice this. None of this comes from God. The world system around us is filled with evil. You can watch it on television, watch commercials, watch shows that used to didn't have these things in them. Now the language has been corrupted. The nudity has been corrupted. All these things. Next of all, your own flesh can tempt you. And thirdly, Satan and demons can also tempt you. I'll see you when we come back from the break. Every believer will face trials. It's just a fact of this life. But every believer also has the promise from Jesus to help them through each one. In this encouraging six-part series by Pastor Bob Yandian, you will learn how to walk boldly and courageously through the trials of this life by applying the Word of God. Messages include joy and patience, how to get answers to prayer, riches and trials, outlasting the trials, and our worst enemy. To order outlasting trials, go to bobbyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to take a look at verses 9 through 11. And the last phrase I left you with was this, God does not create or send suffering. I know that there's denominations that teach that. There's sects of Christianity that teach that. A lot of religions around the world teach it. And what they're saying is God sends evil into your life to test you. He wants to know how far you've come. But here's the point again. God does not create evil or send suffering because it's found in the word of God. God does not do these things. Matthew Matthew chapter 7 is one of the strongest ones here. Let's take a look at verses 9 through 11. And here Jesus says to his disciples, What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? He says, and it's also found in another passage where Jesus said, if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then being evil, the word evil here does not mean under Satan's control. You still carry some evil in you. It's the nature of the flesh. You had it before you got saved. You have it while you're saved, but we have power to overcome it. And when we die, that's when it will be gone. So if you then being evil or carnal or natural know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heaven Father, give good things to those who ask him. What he's saying here is if a child comes up and asks his dad for something to eat like an egg, would the father give him a scorpion? If he asked for fish, Lord, uh, have come to the father and say, listen, dad, I, I'm hungry. What's mom got in the refrigerator? Here's some fish in here. You want that? We'll heat it up for you. No, instead he gives him a serpent. He gives him a snake that can hurt him. And that's why Jesus says here, if you then be evil, let's suppose you're not even saved. Okay, let's suppose you're a sinner. Even a sinner should treat his children right. If they ask for something good, he'll give them something good. He says, if you then be evil or carnal or natural, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things? So he starts off with this. If you ask for something like bread, will you give him a stone? Bread will feed you, but a stone will not. God is not that way. If you ask him for something good, he'll give you something good if you ask in alignment with the word of God. But God nowhere sends evil on his own children. The Bible says that the Lord gives blessings to his own, but he curses the habitation of the unrighteous. So right there we see it that God can send curses, but he sends it on those who come to oppose us. God can stop them in their tracks, but if he loves us, he's going to give us what we ask for, and eventually he's going to even give more. Good parents, listen to this, good parents don't arrange car wrecks or cancer or criminal attacks on their kids. They prepare their children to handle what is already in the earth when it comes. I know good and well as I was raising my kids, they got to a time we got them cars. I got them both cars and I just kept thinking, I trust they're going to do right. We prepared them. We told them about things. We told them how to obey the speed limit. We told them there's times you might go over if all the cars are going over the speed limit, but you still watch. You're always having a watchful eye as to what's going on. Why? Do we send accidents their way? Listen, you can get arrested for that. That's child abuse. We don't do that, but we do prepare them for the evil that's already in the world. And so again, good parents don't arrange car wrecks or, or they don't put cancer on their children or they don't send criminals after their kids. No, they prepare them on how to not have these things happen in their life or to minimize them if someone does. So we prepare our children to handle it when it comes. This is what the word of God does. God does not send car wrecks, cancer, criminal attacks, and God does not 
send evil, demons, or circumstances our way, but he doesn't stop them. He prepares us ahead of time for what's already in this world. And this is what happens again throughout the word of God. So again, we prepare our children to handle these things when they come knowing they're in the world and they probably are going to come at them sometime in their life. We are soldiers for Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is our captain. What am I saying by this? Our nation and our military does not create our enemies. We have communist nations out there. We have those who have in World War II, World War I, who are trying to dominate, take over parts of the world, put nations into slavery, but we did not create this enemy. We did not create the evil they were operating in. We trained our military because why? We had superior weapons that when used will properly defeat the enemy. Here's the good news. God has given us weapons that are superior to our enemy. The military trains us, our nation, our young people. My grandson's in the military. He's being trained. My father was in the military. He was trained and they were taught, here's what the enemy have. We know their weapons are like this because we have captured the weapons. We know that their airplanes are like this because we have captured the airplanes after they have crashed. We have gone in and we have looked from the front to the back and we know good and well what they have and our weapons are superior. We're going to treat you as if you're going to win this battle. We're going to send you into battle knowing if you will use the rep weapon correctly and you will take the things that we have properly instructed you in and obey them, you're going to come out successful on the other side. So it comes back to this. One thing about suffering is it certainly shows the superiority of our weapons and Satan has never created anything greater than God's weapons. You say, what are our weapons? They are the promises of God. The promises of God that we use them against Satan, they will work. If we use them toward ourselves, they will work. If we use them toward God, angels can even come and defend us in the midst of battle. But it's not a battle that God sent, but one that God is preparing us for that's part of this world system down here. And we've seen it happen. We've won a world war, then we win a second world war. And after the war is over, the nations rise back up. I'm here to tell you, Satan will always rise back up. He, One thing he is, I'll say he's not a quitter. He keeps coming back. A guy gets a bloody nose every time he comes after me. I can look at my life at so many attacks that have come from Satan. And God has prepared me ahead of time through his word and my studying. And the great thing about the Holy Spirit, I have been in the midst of problems and the Holy Spirit would bring me answers, bring me scriptures, bring them to my remembrance. And I would stand on them and watch the power of my weapon work all the time. So God prepares us for suffering with his promises and the protection and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. What am I saying? Folks, you can't lose with the stuff we use. You use it, you're going to come out successful on the other side. Stability is an intended result of suffering. You know, this whole world is unstable. Sadly, Christians are unstable. What is it that brings stability into the Christian life? It is the word of God. And one great weapon we have in this world is to be stable in the midst of all of it, that Satan comes to knock us down, but he just can't do it. We're stable. We are built on a foundation that cannot be changed, cannot be altered, and will not weaken. First Peter chapter five and verse 10 says this, 
But the God of all grace, who has called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, make you perfect. The word is mature. Stabilize you, strengthen you, and settle you. We are called to suffering in the Christian life. Part of the whole thing that God left us in this earth for was to understand there's suffering here. God put us in the midst of a battlefield but told us how we can come through it, have times of success and times of glory and times of advancement. But there's going to be times when we're going to face everything coming against us to take away everything we have. And in those cases, we stand and watch the deliverance of the Lord and stability is part of that. Notice again, after you have suffered for a while, then he'll make you perfect, stabilize you, strengthen you and settle you. But notice this suffering is inevitable. It's part of the Christian life because it's part of the world. Listen, even sinners go through times of suffering, but they have no answers. We go through times of suffering and God has given us his eternal answers that always produce and bring us through. The greatest result of suffering should be our maturity, our stability, our strengthening, and our settling. Faith increases as we use it against the trials of life. Listen, without trials, we have nothing to use our faith against and how glorious it is, how perfect it is, and how wonderful it is to know that when problems come my way, I can reach into my arsenal and pull out a weapon that God has given me, knowing that the trying of my faith is going to produce patience. We read that in the opening of this broadcast. First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says this, Wherein, that's the last days, you greatly rejoice, though now for a season. If need be, you are in heaviness through many temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This verse is saying, you want to know how long God's going to take care of you all the way to the appearing of Jesus Christ. After he appears and takes us to heaven, you know how long his word's going to be with them, how great it's going to be until they can all come through the tribulation and stand on the other side as Jesus Christ comes back to rule and reign this earth. That's how powerful one promise is from the word of God. Imagine some 7,000 promises in the word of God, all set there for you, and every one of them is greater than Satan himself. So Peter says again, in the last days you'll greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through many temptations. I'm not saying you're going to come through every temptation smiling and rejoicing and happy because some of them are things that come into your own life, might come into your own family as Satan tries to attack you and God will bring you through. But in the meantime, it says you can go through heaviness. There's no problem with you being down under the pressure of this thing, but knowing you're going to stand up at the end. I keep thinking of Rocky. I mean, he was in that that uh, ring and being beaten, knocked down, but he'd always stand back up. It used to just irritate the other one. The one he was fighting against, they'd say, stay on the mat. He would not stay on the mat. He kept getting back up. But did he have blood on his face? Yes. There have been times I've gone through problems where I felt like there was blood on my face. I had been knocked down to the mat, but I just kept on standing up. In other words, I was going to outlast Satan. And that's exactly what we do. He says here again, if need be, though for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through many temptations. Again, I've told you, God doesn't send the temptations. He sends you the answer for the temptations and for the trials. It goes on to say in verse seven, here's the end result, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and the glory of the appearing of Jesus Christ. 
listen, this problem that's in my life may not last me till the coming of Jesus Christ, but I can guarantee you when this problem is over, you'll find me praising God, giving honor and glory to the one who brought me out of this. That's the power of the word of God, the power of the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need to greatly rejoice even though we are going through difficult trials. And although suffering is only temporary, rejoicing should be perpetual. Whether we are in or out of a problem, that rejoicing goes on and on and on every single day. So God does allow trials. He doesn't create them, but oftentimes he doesn't stop them. Sometimes he does stop them. I enjoy those times too, and I'm sure you do too. But if he doesn't stop it, I'm still gonna outlast it. Satan sends trials to destroy us, and God uses trials to bring us into maturity. God gives answers against the attacks and loves to do it just to frustrate Satan because what Satan means for evil, God turns around for our good. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you tomorrow as we continue on this about the trials of life and God's answers. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.